Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 13. A true friend is one with whom you can weep and not only laugh. Be a true friend to all. Let them feel that you care for them. Weep with them not to increase their sorrow, but to wean them from it altogether. Don't weep for yourself, however. To be a best friend to all, to yourself as well, Strive always to find a way out of darkness into light. Swamiji mentioned in several places, he said one of the purposes of Ananda itself, of the whole entity of Ananda and the communities that we have, and even his own, and not even, but his own life as well, is to, uh, to become an example of what true friendship really is. Uh, friendship not just as Swami writes here, not just people that you can sort of share good times with and go out and put on a face and always appear to have your life together and be so attractive and so confident in what you're doing, but people with whom you can really be yourself, people to whom you can turn when you're feeling weak or when you need help or when sorrow strikes you. There's, there is so much deliberate superficiality in our society these days. It's just like there has been like this, and I will actually call it, there's been a, a plot by the dark force to just bring our consciousness down and down to the, most, to the most trivial level. We must, with our whole hearts, resist that. We must bring ourselves through the practice of meditation, through the practice of creative self-expression in a refined and uplifted way, through our commitment to joyful arts, not merely to degrading um, dystopia. You know, there's just, this is a, there, there, we are in a battle for our lives. And, and we must really understand that the soul is always in a battle for its salvation through every incarnation, whether in the highest, most glorious age on the planet or the de- darkest depths of Kali Yuga or this chaotic transition from a lower to a higher age, which we're going to be tumbled about in, I believe, at least for several more decades before it smooths out. And this age that we're in is one of the most insecure of all the ages that the earth goes through. This is called Dwapara Yuga. We move from the age of matter into the age of energy. But during this age of energy, which which lasts for, I believe, 2,400 years, so don't think you can just sort of stay here and get out of it, that mankind gradually develops this extraordinary technological capacity, which is what we see happening. And with that enormous technological capacity for good, which we see happening all around us, also comes a technological capacity for evil. And the the moral um, development of mankind as a whole, not the individual souls, but of mankind as a whole, is uh, lags behind 
our technological capacity to express uh, violence and evil. So it's a very uncertain age. When, when you have war during this particular age, you don't have men in trenches with rifles, you know, a hundred yards away from each other. You have a, a drone coming across that can dr drop a bomb on, a, you know, a micro, micro target. You have people tens of thousands of miles away controlling things that happen that they never even see. And you have no corner of the earth that is actually safe from that force. Now that is a really grim thing for me to say to you, isn't it? But it is the truth, and we're not going to make ourselves safe within our own hearts by pretending that it's not true. It is a terrifying truth. I sit here and I say it to you, and I say it to you in the bright light of day, as it happens right now, but in the dark of the night, my heart quails too, and I have to bring myself again and again back to a, a point of calm acceptance and joy. Because in the midst of all of that, now, the, see, there's two realities that go on. These are very esoteric thoughts, which if you go to my website, you'll find some of them explained. This is the yugas. This is personal and planetary evolution. This is karma. These are all these very big ideas that are very important. A planet is a physical entity. It has a relationship to the center of, its, of the galaxy. This is a very brief summary. And the closer our planet is to the center of the galaxy, the more enlightened a planet it becomes. The higher the age, the more refined. The greater distance it is, the darker the, the, the entire planet becomes. And it becomes a, a different, the civilizations that express there. There's a book called The Yugas by Joseph Selby and David Steinmetz. I highly encourage you to read that book. So, but there are many, many planets. There are countless planets. Master said, you know, we don't always incarnate in the same planet. We're not earthlings in any eternal sense. We're earthlings because we live here in the same way that I'm a Californian. I'm not a Californian in my, in my DNA. And when I die, I won't be a Californian anymore. My soul has no geography. We're earthlings in the same way because, because the real drama is the individual soul, the jiva, going from delusion to enlightenment. And we incarnate on whatever material, when, we need, when it's time for us to work out, when it's time for us to work out karma that requires that we have a material body and be in a material world, as opposed to the energy world, the astral world, we find a planet that is in the proper yuga for the conditions to be right for us to face and overcome whatever unlearned lessons we still have. Unlearned lessons are, in, a very, in very simple words, are anything that still frightens us. Now, you can see just by saying that, we have a lot of unlearned lessons, don't we? There's a whole lot of things that still frighten us. So we come somewhere where we get to face and overcome our fears. And I don't mean overcoming them merely by outlasting or outwitting them. I mean actually face them and become unafraid of them. That's it's just, it's a big order. Nobody said this would be easy. Several times in this book I've mentioned Swami lures you in with this darling little sunflower. But once you're inside this book, he's asking a lot more of you than just that you look like a sunflower. He's asking us really to become divine heroes. And so one of the ways, though, 
in which we work with each other. One of the ways in which we find our freedom from fear is that we help each other. And this is why Swamiji made such a point. And one of the reasons why Master, when he incarnated and came to America in 1920, he talked about forming these small intentional communities where people of like mind could live a simple life, plain living and high thinking, he said, where we could combine resources and those of us who were seeking God and wanting to live by higher ideals could support each other. Because a friend, after God and Guru, the support of kindred spirits, of like-minded souls, is really one of the greatest blessings that life has to offer us, really close to the greatest, after God and Guru. So the greatest way to have those kind of friends is to be that kind of friend. Now, we can't just manufacture high-minded friends out of nowhere. We have to actually make a point of seeking out people who share your ideals, people who share your circumstances, people who share your last name, people who share your biology, your DNA, your genetics, Maybe they're kindred spirits and maybe they're not. One of the deepest and most important prayers is to ask God to to bring you kindred spirits, to bring you into the company of souls who really understand who you are and what's important. And more, most importantly of all, will support you in your ambition to, to move toward enlightenment. We're, we're very blessed these days to have this internet reality in which um, space can be dissolved, whereas before, before meaning in ages before this was possible, your, your possibility was limited to the smallest geography that you were born into. Now, of course, God makes no mistakes, and if your karma brought you to such a place or such a planet, it was exactly the circumstances you needed. But in this day, where we can reach across cultural boundaries, even language boundaries, and find those souls who who vibrate with us, make it a very high priority in your life to develop as closely as you can true, lasting, meaningful friendships. One of the extraordinary powers of living in community, and I know it's not an option for everyone, And even in 2020, we're confined to our homes for a period of time. But this will be temporary. There'll be a day again when we can move around geographically, in which case it's at least possible to visit uh, Ananda communities and other places where kindred souls are gathered. But it is one one of the reasons that Master, one of the, I try to say this, I was starting to say the reason that these communities are so important is because it does give us the opportunity to have lifelong friendships. I came to Ananda when I was 24 years old. And even though literally thousands of people have come and gone from the Ananda communities over the 50 years nearly that I've been involved with this, there has also been 
really an astonishingly stable core of people who just come, commit themselves, and never leave. So I literally have, you know, hundreds of friends that I've had for decades that we've seen our we've seen each other through every stage of life and all the inevitable sufferings that it brings. Now, on one side, nobody can live your life for you. And you're always alone. And Swamiji, you know, says here, be a best friend to yourself as well. Always try to find a way out of darkness into light. He said, you may weep with your friends, but not too much. When Swami was advising us, when many of us were beginning to learn how to be spiritual counselors, be sympathetic, Swamiji said. Of course you should be sympathetic. When somebody comes to you who is suffering, you know, you, you can't just be callous and dismiss their suffering. Be compassionate, be sympathetic. He said, but not too much. And by that he means don't allow a person, he said, because of this. He said, if you're too sympathetic, it will only increase the delusion in the person's mind that their problems are a really big deal and perhaps insurmountable. So that's a very fine line of true friendship. And I watch my friends walk it with me and I do my best to walk it with others. And it isn't so much of sort of slapping someone who's crying on the back and saying, oh, come on, you'll get out of it. Don't take it so hard, Sam, whatever it might be. He's not talking about being hardy like that. It's more inside your own heart. It's more even as you sympathize and even as your own eyes fill with tears, which they often do, sometimes, often, the suffering of others is more painful than your own because you feel so helpless when someone else is suffering. But behind those tears, always maintain just a, 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 a level of dignified calm that says, I know you're having a hard time now, but you'll get through it. You can get through it. I know you can get through it. God would not give you a test like that, like this, if he was not also giving you the strength to get through it. I know you don't feel that strength now, but you will. You know, I know that you will. Sometimes you can articulate those thoughts. Sometimes a person isn't ready to hear them, but never let go of them yourself. And even as you behave appropriately for what your friend needs from you, holding, holding them in your arms, comforting them, weeping your own tears of sympathy, hold some part of your heart with God, and you practice with others what you practice with yourself. And in this compassionate awareness of our unity of spirit, great blessings come. Great blessings come that give us the strength not only to help others, but to stand strong within ourselves when the same storms you know, strike us, as they inevitably will. Because we are all on a long journey from delusion to enlightenment. And sometimes the path is craggy. But in the end, we will all arrive in our infinite home. A true friend is one with whom you can weep and not only laugh. Be a true, true friend to all. Let them feel that you care for them. 
Weep with them, not to increase their sorrow, but to wean them from it altogether. Don't weep for yourself, however. To be a best friend to all, to yourself as well. Strive always to find a way out of darkness and into the light. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.